you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Indians. It's a very special edition of Lockdown Indians. Today, I have a guest from Lockdown from Lockdown Mets, Ryan Finkelstein. Uh, we just discussed his name, and I still nearly got it wrong. Uh, thanks for joining me today on the show. I'm excited to be here to talk Francisco Lindor. And more. Uh, and I think more, anyone yeah. who listens to this podcast has probably thought I'm a, a closet Mets fan because uh, I talk about the Mets about every other week. I just think uh, they built a wealth of talent actually under Sandy Alderson before he yeah. uh, he left the first time. And a lot of the guys that you talk about were those players. Uh, in honor of the podcast today, I am wearing my New York Islander shirt that my okay, sister-in-law uh, got for me before I went and moved and lived in uh, Brooklyn for about six years. So uh, during that time, I definitely preferred the Mets to the Yankees. It's, it's a pretty easy choice, I think, for most. But <laughs> what was your... I'm just going to start off with the basic question. You know, there was the big press conference yesterday. Marcus Stroman today... It's got to feel like a great time to be a Mets fan, right? It's a 180 from what Mets fans have been living with for the past. I mean, you could talk ever since the Wilpons came in, but since Madoff, uh, which was in 2010 range, it's been a nightmare. As a Mets fan, nothing but bad stories. And Steve Cohen comes in and just says everything you could want. I have unlimited resources. I'm going to use them on the Mets. I want to be a fans owner. He's talking to fans on Twitter. He wants to spend... He wants to do everything the Mets have always wanted or Mets fans have always wanted. And then you follow that up with Marcus Stroman coming back on a qualifying offer. And I don't know how you feel, but any player on a one-year deal is a great contract, especially a pitcher that can have an impact like Stroman. So yeah, it's been a great 48 hours for Mets fans. Yeah, I agree. One-year deals are always uh, easy contracts in my mind. Uh, it's, you know, it, it is funny I often hear from Indians fans and I understand the frustrations with the Indians ownership, but the one nice thing with the Indians ownership is they put smart people in and got out of the way. Uh, I, I know as an outside observer, I felt like Wilpon was the worst owner in baseball and it wasn't really close. And as much as Indians fans have their issues with low spending, uh, basically Wilpon spent at a Cleveland level in New York city. Now, yes, their salaries were higher, but I mean, it was also in New York. So it's, it's the relative scale, I guess I'm trying to say. And he was also just incompetent. So, yeah, that's got to be quite a feel. And I, I also can't help but think about the first season of the TV show Billions for people who have watched <laughs> it or don't know that the main character in there is inspired by uh, by Steve Cohen, where he tries to buy a football team. And uh, some of the, the verbiage in that uh, of how they use that to anoint people, that's the knighting of, uh, of people in America is owning a sports team. And... I don't know. We know that he tried to buy the Mets earlier. We know this has been an ongoing process, but yeah, uh, it's kind of a scary thought, I think, for the rest of baseball that there is a second team in New York that's actually going to spend. Yeah, I gotta, uh, I gotta change my shtick. I've been in my last two years of lockdown Mets has primarily been ripping Jeff Wilpon, so I gotta figure out a new way to do the show. I don't know what I'm gonna do now, but it's definitely nice to have Bobby Axelrod in Queens right now. Yeah, it's uh, and what a year. It might be actually the perfect time, I think, in an odd way, because if every other team is going to be tightening their belt and the Mets are just like, they're going to eat. They're going yeah. to eat so much. And we already saw that with, uh, I don't think in uh, if Wilpon was still the owner, correct me if I'm wrong in this, 
I don't think Strowman takes the qualifying offer. I don't think he wants to come back and deal well, with what's in place. Well, more than that, if it's the Wilpons, I don't know if he gets tendered the qualifying offer because they'd be scared he would take it. That's how, I mean, especially after the COVID season here, I mean, if the Wilpons still own the Mets, they would be maybe shopping Jacob DeGrom. I don't know what they'd be doing, but they needed to get out of ownership. They were losing money fast. So this was big for them. And yeah, I don't think Strom is a Met for sure if it's not Steve Cohen's team. Speaking of one-year contracts, uh, I don't know how many Indians fans look really close at the conference, but Brad Hand specifically came up. And the fact is, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounded like if Cohen had been the owner just a few weeks earlier, Brad Hand would right now be a Met and they would have claimed him without a, a second thought. Yeah, 100%. Sandy Alderson, who of course worked under the Wilpons for nine seasons, he basically said, now we don't have to worry about cost of acquisition. We can just worry about acquisition. And he's like, look, Brad Hand was up there for any team to just claim. And at $10 million, he's like, I don't know if that's a great deal, but we would have jumped on it because this is a pitcher that easily could have helped the Mets next season. So I do think, yeah, two weeks earlier, if that deal went through, I think Brad Hand's a Met right now. Yeah, it's a, and I think we know uh, Sandy Alderson is an incredibly smart man. And again, a lot of the talent currently with the Mets are players that he uh, helped find discover during his initial tenure or his previous tenure, I should say. Uh, I think he very much identifies what you and I have already talked about this whole idea of a one-year contract really can't hurt you. Like you'd almost rather pay more money for one than less money for two in a situation where you're a team like the Mets. It's better to not be bogged down when you have, excuse me, when you have the ability to spend when, as opposed to uh, for other teams. Yeah, I mean, even if you take like Jerry's Familia, for example, I think it was 30 over three. If the Mets can go back in time and pay him, you know, 15 in his first year and get get off that contract, they'd be in a better position right now. So I do think that does play a big role into it. So, yeah, any one year deal you jump on. I know we're talking one year deals, but I think the assumption would be, I mean, personally, I just love the idea of I, I would love to see them the Mets just go out and uh, sign LeMahieu. I know they have uh, Cano set at second base and he had a great offensive year, uh, probably better as a DH, but I love the idea of the Mets just completely like shell shocking the Yankees and trading for Lindor and signing LeMahieu. Now I know that's probably not going to happen. LeMahieu isn't exactly an ideal fit, but trading for Lindor, the assumption would be that they would trade and sign him right away, right? That they have, I mean, Lindor isn't one of those players saying that he has to hit free agency. He just wants a competitive offer. So the thought would be he would likely sign pretty quickly after any trade. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, like a lot of people, I have these baseball arguments with my dad and he's like, you know, if we're going to trade for Lindor, we got to get a guarantee he'll sign. And I'm like, you're, you're living in the old world. With Steve Cohen, the assumption is if you make a trade, you'll figure out what terms have to be agreed upon and keep Lindor long-term. It's just like Mookie Betts last year with the Dodgers. I have no doubt in my mind, if the Mets do make the big blockbuster trade, Lindor will get whatever it is. I mean, 300 plus million dollars, 10 years, who knows what it is, but they'll sign into that contract. You know, and it's come out that the Indians would prefer to trade with the Mets uh, or that they prefer the Mets. And I, I think on top of, you know, we were talking beforehand and I was mentioning it's like, at the all-star break if, for my listeners, again, uh, if they remember, it's like the Mets were the top offensive team in baseball. It's a very loaded offensive squad, which is an Indians need, but also this is a Mets team where 
they can absorb. So it, mm -hmm. it's not beyond the realm of possibility that a deal wouldn't just be Lindor, that we've heard the Indians are uh, possibly shopping Carlos Carrasco as well, and that he could be a player that uh, could also, both those salaries could go to the Mets. And that's like over $30 million in salaries. And the Mets would be fine absorbing that. I mean, sure, the Indians would likely get an arbitration player back in one of those deals or in that deal, but still it would not be anywhere near the offset of another organization. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at, if theoretically speaking, it's, you know, Brandon Nimmo, J.D. Davis are potential. I mean, J.D. Davis is super too. Nimmo's an arbitration guy, but I mean, the most of those guys are going to cost you is what, maybe eight or nine million at most. I don't even, I have to look at the numbers. Probably not even that much. So yeah, I definitely see that as an option here to take Carrasco and Lindor. And for the Mets, I mean, that pretty much checks off a lot of your boxes. You have a new face of the franchise with Stroman and Carrasco. Your rotation's now set, and you can kind of mix and match from there. So I definitely think that would be a great route for the Mets to go. But I'm curious which players you're interested in when it comes to uh, the Lindor trade. So as anyone who listens to the podcast knows, like my the the object of my heart's desire is a name you didn't mention there. And that's probably because you would not want to move him either. And, and Dom Smith is the guy that uh, uh, I think any rational baseball fan would be first on their list when you're looking at Mets players. Uh, he is probably, I think, a better defender at first than Pete Alonzo. And the only reason he's in left field is because Pete Alonzo can't do anything else than first base or DH. Uh, and he's just a smooth defender. I feel like a plus defender at first base and the skills were always there. I mean, he was what the 11th or 12th overall pick and it took a bit of time. Sometimes that happens with prep players, but he looked really good last year. So he, to me is the first guy you ask about. Well, I can tell you, and I think a lot of people outside of New York don't know this, but basically the story of Dominic Smith is he comes in he makes his debut in 17 gets a pretty good amount of run in 18 as well, but he had sleep apnea. So over the offseason between 18 and 19, he gets the CPAP machine for when he sleeps, fixes his sleep, loses a bunch of weight, and he's been awesome ever since. 2019, he hit over 300. He had a foot injury, which is why he missed the second half. But you saw the same type of growth that in 2020, it was fully realized. But in 2019, he was looking great as well. So I look at Dom and I say, if this had happened a little bit quicker, who knows if Pete Alonso ever quite gets that same shot. You know, the door was kind of left open and Pete had an incredible rookie year. But if you ask me which first baseman I actually believe more in, it is Dominic Smith. Like I, I know Mets fans hate me for this. And I put a poll up. I was like, Alonzo for Lindor straight up, would you do it? And of course, Mets fans, it was like 50-50 that they wouldn't do it. But to me, I mean, Dominic Smith's better defensively and he has so much of a higher floor than Pete Alonzo. Alonzo might have the higher ceiling, but Dominic Smith, I trust he's going to be a competent starting first baseman for maybe the next decade. Pete Alonzo, I could see it going the wrong way. And we saw shades of it this year. Yeah, in a way, I almost feel like Dom Smith has the higher floor and the higher ceiling. I get the power isn't there, but like he's the more complete hitter in my mind. Like yeah. he could be the the guy who ends up being like a seven win first baseman just between the def defense and the complete game. So that's, that's why every deal I've talked about since 2019, basically since last year at this time, I was, I was trying to figure out ways to, to get Dom Smith out. Uh, I think 
you know, that is one of that for me, that is the name. Uh, but the great thing about the Mets in general is it's even if you can't make a deal work with the Dom Smith, I mean, Brandon Nimmo is better than a lot of people think. I enjoyed last offseason when I had people uh, from the White Sox and the Indians uh, asking if they could get uh, Nimmo uh, cheaper because he had had a down year. I'm like, no, that's not, he didn't have a, a down year. He had a, a really good year. So, you can talk to people about the player that Nimmo is uh, yeah. just an interesting guy. You don't see a lot of baseball players from the Dakotas and correct me if I'm wrong, but both Smith and Nimmo weren't those Alderson first round selections. Yeah. If you look at the Mets roster right now, I mean, all of the big players were Alderson first round picks. Conforto was another one. Pete Alonzo wasn't a first round pick. I think he was second round, but that was Alderson. I mean, this whole team really outside of JD Davis was brought in by Alderson, but Brandon Nimmo is the guy that, I would try to include in this deal because what I, I look at with him, first of all, I think he would be awesome. I don't know what it is, but I just picture Nemo in an Indians jersey. I don't know what I'm doing there, but I, it just seems like a natural fit for him. I could see him just feasting on Royals pitching and you know some of those bad teams out in the central, but this is a guy, if you move him into the corner outfield where he belongs, I think he will be a good defensive outfielder. He's been you know, trying to play center for the Mets, even that's not really where he fits. And then offensively, he is what modern day analytics guys love. Gets on base, has a little bit of pop, you know, just great play discipline, always gets in favorable counts. I think that Brandon Nimmo could probably give you about 80% of what you're losing offensively with Lindor. I think my one concern with Nimmo is, correct me if I'm wrong, He's only got two years to free agency, yeah. right? Isn't he a free agent after 21? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one thing. That's why here's what I've been basically pitching. If you have to trade Dominic Smith, I think the shortstop that goes back is Rosario. And I can talk to, about, about Andres Jimenez. I think Andres Jimenez is the shortstop you want for the Indians because he is great defensively, full control, just has rookie season. And if you look at him and Rosario, Jimenez – has the better approach at the plate. I mean, Rosario went, I don't even know, more than half the season this year without drawing a walk, where Jimenez is 21 years old, already puts himself in great counts every at-bat, has a really simple swing. So if I'm the Mets, I would rather hang on to Jimenez, but if I can hang on to Dom, it would be, okay, I'll trade you Jimenez and Brandon Nimmo as the start of the package. Otherwise, it's Dominic Smith and Rosario, and then you kind of, fill in from there yeah rosario is fascinating to me when i looked into the stuff because there was a season where he was the top 10 prospect universally across the board in all of so i'm gonna take a minute here and give a quick uh apology type of note uh we had some technology issues so uh just to go back in i didn't really talk about the short stops uh you know ryan gave a lot of great information i had mentioned that uh rosario is fascinating to me because he was this guy who across every scouting service was one of the top 10 prospects in baseball viewed as plus hit plus defense but i agree now i think uh you know that uh, jimenez is definitely the higher rated of the two has a bit more of a view I i'm kind of curious from the perspective of a mets fan like was Rosario just not what people thought he was or is something not quite worked out? Like, I think he could still be a utility guy at worst, possibly a solid defensor, defensive guy, maybe a Jose Iglesias type, but uh, you don't expect that when you have a guy who is a universal one. This is one of the top 10 prospects in all of baseball. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, 
I look at Rosario. He's one of those guys that I feel like if you took someone who had no knowledge of what's going on with baseball like currently, and you just step on a field and you have the Mets, Rosario would jump out. I mean, he just he looks the part, five tool type guy, but it hasn't panned out for him. I don't know quite what it is. I mean, 2019, he was I think he led the Mets in hits. He definitely started to progress, had a great second half, and it seemed like he was finally starting to be that guy. I think he's only 23 still, or maybe he's 24 now. But there's still potential there. I actually think he is a guy that could benefit from a change of scenery just to maybe get out of New York and he might be able to flourish somewhere else. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Indians get him, he gets to go there in a smaller market, you know, gets with some new coaches, and suddenly he's the guy the Mets always expected him to become. But so far, it's just you can't trust him as your starting shortstop moving forward. I think if he is with the Mets next year, there's a good chance that he's going to get some run in center field, and they're going to see if he can maybe go to that position and platoon out with Brandon Nimmo unless they add somebody else. So, yeah, I think we both agree that one of those shortstops would have would be included in the deal. Uh, we talked about two of the big names. Uh, I guess we have to talk about, you know, there's been a lot of issues during uh, Van Wegman's time uh, in New York, but uh, the, the clear winners was the J.D. Davis deal. So we have to talk about Davis as he is the the other guy who could be as a, a centerpiece. The Indians could use some help in the outfield. Uh, they could decide who's worse defensively, Davis or Fran Mil Reyes. But if you just want to tell people what you've seen in your two years with Davis where he was an afterthought in Houston and really feels like he's stepped up these past two years with the Mets. Yeah, he... When I look at J.D. Davis, offensively, I mean, there's no complaints. The guy's a really good hitter. It's just where do you put him? I honestly think the Indians would be best off trying him at first um, or putting him uh, you know, as their DH because the metrics are just bad wherever you put him. This year he ended up playing mostly at third because he just didn't look like he – well, really it was Jeff McNeil looked a lot better in the outfield, so they decided to switch those two, play McNeil and left and Davis at third. But he's a great offensive player. Uh, he's really studious. I mean, he's a guy that really works at it. But defensively, if you're trying to field a good team that way, it just hasn't worked. So I think if you can maybe swing him at first or in, as a DH, he's definitely a valuable player. He's also going to be cheap. But I've been trying to trade him for a reason. <laughs> I'll say that. Uh, one of those like confessions of you know how uh, we don't get things right. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people know that like I do a lot of draft stuff. Uh, he was teammates with Matt Chapman in college at Fullerton. And I was uh, such a big J.D. Davis fan that I would on record saying he would be better than Matt Chapman, even though that one would go in the first round and the other in the fourth. I just had concerns about Chapman's strikeout rate. I knew the defense was there um, in the power, but uh, it, it took Davis a while to get there. I mean, at, at least I don't look completely foolish because he's turned into a major league player. But yeah, that was my that was my uh, point when they were teammates that I would rather have J.D. Davis than Matt Chapman. And I didn't get it right, but uh, at least it's it's one of those situations where both became like one's a great player and one's a good player, but yeah. I, that's still better than like one of them never made it to the majors. Well, I don't take any swings on college prospects. So, you know, you're, you're ahead of me on that. So I, I can't yeah, strike out. I don't try well, I mean, I'll be honest. It's like Nimmo was not my favorite pick because I'm like, how can you even scout him? Dom Smith, I liked. Conforto, I wasn't. I mean, Alderson and I often didn't agree on those first rounders, and that's where he, he found the most success. I mean, 
had Conforto as a top 15. It's just I was always what I appreciate with Alderson now and what has changed for me over the years is he's smart in his um, his risk assessments. Like he takes yeah. – I mean, Nimmo was a huge risk. Outside of that pick, though, he took a lot of guys who were – like had ceiling but also had lesser uh, risk factors. And definitely as I've spent more years covering the draft in depth, uh, that's one of those things I've come more and more to warming up and being like that's the way to go about it. Uh, let's see. I was trying to think about, I guess the only other question Indians fans ask about prospects. I, I think Ronnie Mauricio is one of those guys that if the Indians approach the Mets about Mauricio, then automatically that means you're not getting a Dom Smith or a Brandon Nimmo. Uh, I don't even know how much they'd be willing to move him. He's an interesting player. Uh, if you could speak to him a bit more for just Indians fans out there. Cause I know his name comes up whenever I'm asking. Yeah, I think if you look at the Mets' most untouchable prospects right now, it's Ronnie Mauricio, Francisco Alvarez, and Matthew Allen, I think are the three guys that they are going to try to hold on to just because they believe that Mauricio can be a Lindor one day. Now, if that was the one name that had to go and you're getting Lindor fully realized now, I think you'd consider it. But yeah, this is a guy that you know has the five-tool potential. He's really young. I mean... I saw the report today by uh, John Morosi that the Indians are looking at three was it three major leaguers um, or close to major leaguers. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he necessarily fits their window either. But yeah, I mean, if you got Mauricio, that's the type of top prospect that I think Indians fans will be excited about getting. And then I have to ask about one more name because this is another guy that's been a personal favorite um, back when Scout before Scout went away, and I was working with a. Uh, Taylor Ward there on the prospect side of things. I forced him to include on our top 100 list, Thomas Zapuki. This was like three, four years ago after his first year in the minors. Cause I just, uh, he's such a spin rate darling. And we know the Indians do pay attention to that. Health has been a huge concern. Uh, thoughts on Zapuki. He could be that third guy. I mean, he's already on the 40 man close to the majors at this point he was always viewed as a starter, but could be a quick move lefty reliever. Um, just another name. I feel like inevitably will come up. Well, my first thought is one of us is wrong. I've been pronouncing this the backy. I, I, I don't know. I, I, my pronunciation is often wrong. So I, I'm betting I, I, you're I right. Be wrong I'm too. wrong. I, I could be wrong too. But anyway, the, the way I've seen him right now, under normal circumstances, I would say, you know, include him, and I wouldn't be too crushed if they did. He, he does kind of fit that window like you're talking about. He's, you know, the only right now, I just did an article today where I was looking at the Mets roster after Stroman. He's the only prospect now that Peterson has arrived that you can maybe see factoring in to the Mets rotation next year. But because of that, because the Mets got rid of Kevin Smith and Jordan Humphreys this year, and if you want to take it back to the year prior, Anthony Kay and Seamus Wood Richardson and Justin Dunn. I mean, they've been purging themselves of pitching prospects. And I think that Alderson's going to try to stay away from that. That's just my my thought because they're trying to build out this farm system and to move another prospect. I mean, the depth is just so thin right now at the upper levels levels of the Mets system. Yeah, it's uh, it, is Tony Dieball that D ball is is he with the Mets? As I was trying to think about it, it was like when I wrote top uh, top ten prospect lists, lists a few years ago. I was trying to think if that was the the college pitcher who I slotted in at 10 with the Mets. And I can't remember now if that was the case or not. 
Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I'll have to look and see which organization he was in where I, I moved him in. But it's, yeah, it's a team that it also did not help them where they had a really interesting approach to the draft of let's take two, three big guys and punt the rest of it in terms of pool money. I don't necessarily think it's the worst idea, but it definitely hurt their ability to get depth. Uh, we do know the Indians liked Pete Crow Armstrong, but he doesn't fit that right away mold. And I guess that's kind of the problem when we look at prospects in general with the Mets is there aren't a lot of cusp guys, are there? Like, no, are there any other no. names you can think of? That I would say, I guess, Matt Vientos is one that was maybe closer. Um, but again, I don't know if that quite fits the bill of someone who can contribute next year. So yeah, the Mets are really thin outside of uh, their lower levels there. So, uh, more technical issues. I apologize for that. Not my night with the computer, but I want to thank Ryan for being such a good sport in spite of my technical difficulties. We've talked through these teams at length. We've kind of gone through the players. So I guess at this point in time, it's trying to find the correct package. Now, I know from your perspective, uh, Dom Smith is a guy you don't want to move. So I guess my question is if, they're not willing to move Dom Smith. Is there a world where the Indians could get both Nimmo and Davis? Yes, 100%. Uh, so, I would go ahead. I, I'll tell you right now if it was, if I'm the GM and the Indians call and said we want Nimmo, Davis, and Jimenez, I would probably do that deal. That was the third piece I was going to ask about. Since we're not going for Dom Smith, would they be more amenable to moving Jimenez? So, Menez immediately moves into the Indian shortstop position. Davis could move to first base and Nimmo could take over. Uh, you know, the how's his arm? Is he more left field, more right field? I, I think he's better in left. Yeah. So you could put him in left and then have your your right field combination. It gives the Indians upgrade or it's not an upgraded three positions, let's be fair, but it's an upgraded two positions with a very interesting prospect. And the Mets get uh, a star and uh you know, it, it, there's nothing it says down the line. There couldn't be a revisiting involving Carrasco or even expansion of this for Carrasco. But I think, is that the fairest deal we're probably going to reach? Is is that deal I think, in your mind? Yeah, yeah, I think that. And, you know, from the Indians' perspective, I think Nemo can, like I said, he can give you a close, not quite, but when you combine, you know, Nemo and Davis, I think you match easily the production of Lindor. And I think defensively, Jimenez does a lot of the same thing. So, I think that is the best trade for the Indians to kind of keep rolling without really losing too much other than obviously a franchise player. But if you're just talking about production, I think the other deal that I would throw in there, if it was Dominic Smith, I think you're looking at maybe Dominic Smith, Rosario and Davis. I think those would be the two deals. Yeah. And I think it just comes down to one of those things like Lindor is gone. That doesn't the Indians fans have to, in the immortal words of our owner, enjoy him. Uh, so since he's gone, getting multiple starters for multiple years is the way to go in some form. And I don't think there is a team other than the Mets. They could potentially give the Indians three starters and themselves still be able to build a team and contend because that is the offensive depth yeah. that the Mets have. So I, I think at the end of the day, you know, we see the news, we see the connections. There's a reason for it. And uh, I mean, I had a lot of fun. I always have fun when I can talk about this crazy deep Mets team. Thank you for coming on, uh, dealing with technology issues and just talking. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, me too. And I think we'll talk in about what, 
six weeks when this thing's finalized. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, if before we end here, why don't you give them all your social media information? So if people want more information on the Mets, how they can find you and see what, uh, what you're saying. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. You can find some of my writing at MetsmerizeOnline.com. And you can follow Locked on Mets wherever you listen to Locked on Indians. Thank you all for checking out the podcast today. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me online at Jeff MLB Draft. And as always, go Tribe.